from Car Rigs and Ingram, this is It Figures, the CRI podcast, an accounting, advisory, and industry-focused podcast for business and organization leaders, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is looking to go beyond the status quo. Welcome to another episode of It Figures. My name is Sandy Guy, and I will be your host today as we explore careers in tax. Today, I am joined by three of my favorite people within the firm in the tax uh, field who are gonna talk to us a little bit about their own individual journey, how it's changed during their tenure, their outlook, how they manage their tax career. So if you are a tax professional, just starting out middle of your career or towards the end of your career, like one of my guests, um, this podcast should resonate. So first, let me introduce you to our panelists. Um, we will start with Seth. Seth, do you want to take a minute and introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Sandy. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Seth Margulies. I'm a tax partner in the Dallas office. I've been with CRI for about, uh, I think, nine years. We merged in four to five years ago. I have worked with Sandy for a long time. Um, uh, human Capital Chair in Dallas and part of Future Leaders, and uh, just happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And Tunvi, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Tunvi Gandhi. It is spelled as T-A-N-V-I if the listeners want to look me up, but it's pronounced as T-U-N-V-I. Thank you, Mom and Dad. I'm a tax manager at our Raleigh office in North Carolina. I started working with um, CRI Nashville office in 2018, where we merged. Um, and then I moved to Raleigh and have been in the Raleigh office for the past two years. Very nice. Thank you for joining us today. And last but not least, Holly in New Orleans, that we are thrilled to death that Ida did not prevent you from being on this podcast. I'm very excited to let Holly introduce herself. Hi, I'm um, Holly Cephalou. I am a tax staff out of New Orleans, like Sandy said. Um, I started as an intern um, January of 2019 and uh, worked at the firm since. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and has, has power and a roof over her head yes. at the moment. Yes. So we're happy about that. <laughs> we're definitely happy about that. So we'll just kind of dive in. Um, I'll say clearly I'm not a tax practitioner and I'm always fascinated um, how people get into public accounting, but then how they choose their practice area, whether that's audit or tax. So I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, how you got into public accounting, but specifically uh, tax, or did tax choose you? And I'll start with our senior statesman, Seth. So Seth, way long ago, Talk to us about how you got into public accounting. Do we have, do we have enough time, Sandy? <laughs> you can give us the Cliff Notes version. Well, I think that, um, which is, you know, it's kind of strange. Like even since high school, I knew I was going to be an, an accountant. I know that that's uh, nerdy. I remember sitting around the dinner table and I was good at math. And I asked my dad, you know, what, what can I do that's, you know, good with math. And he said, either an engineer or an accountant. And I didn't like chemistry. So I chose accounting. And I just, that's just kind of how I roll. I just pick something and stick with it and go on down the road. 
Um, and as far as, you know, audit or tax, I think I always knew that I wanted tax. I had a um, good tax teacher in college and I really just kind of, kind of latched on to me and I enjoyed it and I could kind of relate to it. Um, just cause you know, it was like individual tax and you could relate to it versus like audit big companies, probably hard to relate as a college student. And so I think from there, I just always knew that I was going to be a, uh, super exciting, uh, crazy tax accountant. Mission accomplished. Um, <laughs> so Holly, so we'll go from the senior statesman, um, to the youngest member of the group <laughs> career. So how about you? Did you jump right into it? Did you know sitting at the dinner table it's what you wanted to do? Or how did how did you get into public accounting? <laughs> well, I um, actually went to college. I've always wanted to do something medical, but I went to college uh, to pursue nursing. And I got into nursing school and did clinicals and absolutely hated it. <laughs> so then I had about like three semesters left. Uh, took a year off, just continued to work, and then uh, went back to school and uh, got accounting accounting degree. And it, I mean, it took about seven years, and I graduated with a ton of credits, but I'm definitely glad for the change. Um, and as far as choosing public accounting, I mean, I chose public accounting really for the experience and, you know, some flexibility and really learning and more exposure, I think. That's that's a big leap it, from nursing <laughs> public accounting. That's very, a big leap. Very big. <laughs> but it was great. I mean, all everything in, you know, when, when I went to business school and took my accounting classes and especially tax, it just clicked. And it really, you know, it wasn't, um, I enjoyed it and it really resonated well. <laughs> so like Seth, did you know you wanted to do tax or did you explore various um, other areas of practice? Um, I actually kind of thought I wanted to do audit first, but I changed my mind <laughs> uh, in the recruiting process actually. So some I, I interviewed for some audit internships first, and then I interviewed for tax, and I'm definitely glad I went with tax. Uh, I don't think, I mean, I don't know, the, the work of tax, I think, interests me a little bit more than audit. That's interesting. So, you know, it's, it's the fall, um, and we've been talking about universities, which means it's football season, so I'm, I'm curious. Tanvi, how did you get a start? Where did you go to school and how did you get into public accounting? Is it something you've always wanted to do? So I, my starting out in accounting is kind of similar to Seth, where in high school, I'm originally from India. Um, we kind of have to decide in high school if we wanted to pursue a field related to science or a field related to, you know, commerce or business. Um, I hated science. The last science exam I took was, um, I threw up the night before that. So <laughs> that was the deciding factor that I couldn't do chemistry or physics or biology. I couldn't understand that either. Um, so the other option was um, accounting or business. And 
once I started doing that the last two years of high school, fell in love with it. Like you could tie the numbers, you know the answers, you do well in your exams. It was perfect. It was perfect for me. And I'm a little OCD about numbers and everything. So it kind of worked out. Um, as far as tax or audit, um, I did do an internship um, that involved some audit work um, with a few different types of clients. And no offense to the auditors, but I hated it. I didn't see myself doing that, uh, but I'm glad I was able to do that because everyone at some point is at that gate of whether to choose audit or tax. Experienced audit first, didn't like it. Took tax classes in my master's and loved it. Love the, you know, how you play around the rules and kind of think about, you know, how to benefit your client, get the maximum benefits. And that's how I ended up choosing tax because it was very fascinating to me. Well, so I'm curious, Tammy, because you, you mentioned you're from India and I happen to know you're a CPA. So did you come to the U.S. for school and then get certified here? So, I mean, that could be a long answer. As I said, I'm, okay, we got that. <laughs> I'm originally from India. I finished my undergrad master's in chartered accountancy, which is the CPA equivalent over there. I did all of that uh, back in India and started working as a man assistant manager in a national bank. I worked there for about a year and a half. Uh, but even after finishing all of that, I still wanted to explore some more and wanted to learn more about the education system and professional careers in another country. So I uh, joined Masters of Accounting program at City University of New York, Baruch College, and got my CPA six months after graduation. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. That's no easy task. Of course, my time in India and my education in India helped a lot with that, but um, it was a really great experience. It still is. Well, so that's interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I think is cool about um, all of the roles in public accounting, and tax is no exception to this, are all the different specialties. Um, I've, I've always said if I ever went into um, being a practitioner, I would do forensic accounting. Um, I think it's part of my addiction to true crime that I would love to get in and do that. Um, so I'm just curious about specialties. So Seth, are do you have any specialties? And if so, how did you choose them or evolve into those? Yeah. So I, um, you know, just being in the Dallas market, we do a lot of real estate clients. Um, and so I do a lot of real estate. And then I also work with a lot of um, doctors and lawyers. Um, we kind of have some similarities, but those personal service corporations I handle. And then, um, as you know, you know, we kind of helped um, kickstart a, a, the SALT group, state and local tax group. And uh, that probably came up about a, a year ago, 10 to 12 months ago. And that, you know, goes back to my uh, early days. You called me the senior statesman a couple of times. Uh, back when I was at Ernst & Young, uh, I was in the uh, SALT group for a while. Uh, doing restructuring for Walmart and various companies. And so I think that's always kind of stuck with me for for a while. You know, I knew I didn't want to do that way back when. 
but now, you know, uh, what is it, 15, 18 years later, you know, it's kind of come back and, you know, maybe it's a little more exciting. It's different. It's new uh, opportunity to help grow CRI. So, um, so I've enjoyed it. It's been a great way to uh, coordinate efforts uh, across our footprint for sure. Uh, so what about you, Tumby? You're a manager usually around when somebody um, is senior or manager, they start getting embedded in a specialty. Any specialties on your part? Good question. And short answer is not yet. Um, I'm currently working on a lot of paycheck protection program and employee retention credit projects for my clients, um, which, you know, these projects came up because of COVID. Love, love doing that. I would like to consider that to be my specialty for now. Um, however, these are temporarily, but otherwise, I have been trying to, you know, pick a specialty all through my career, and I've, I'm not going to say I failed, but I'm kind of liking to work on all kinds of projects and, you know, learn about different kinds of industries. North Carolina, we have five offices, so there's a whole lot of industries that we serve because the industries in Raleigh are not the same as industry in, you know, the Eastern North Carolina offices. So, I mean, I kind of like that, but um, I don't know, down, down the line, I may choose something. It's always interesting. I think, I think most people I find, um, some people do say, I, I want to do tax and I don't know, I want to do expat or I want to do SOD or, or whichever specialty it is. But it's interesting that um, people tend to evolve in it when they're much like Holly in your first, second, third, fourth year, and you're getting exposure to a little bit of everything. Um, that's where you find, you know, Tumby, I giggle when you said you grew up. We don't want you doing any work that's going to make you throw up. Um, but that's where you find the stuff that you really enjoy and that hits. Um, and some of the silver lining, I guess you could say, to the pandemic um, is that people have had the opportunity to work in a variety of areas, much like you did with some of um, you know, the PPP and all that stuff that came out, and to really get that exposure. Um, but go ahead. I was going to say, Sandy, you know, I called our good friend Scott Bailey like a month ago, and I had a question about the uh, ERTC, the, the Employer Retention Credit. And he's, you know, he's like, you know, I'm not the person that can answer that, but we have an expert and it happened to be Tunbu. And then this thing, this happened a week or two later. So, uh, so yes, you are considered a uh, expert in a field as you, as you mentioned. And I think I can relate back to, you know, with the not having a expertise or what's your niche because oh my gosh you know growing up you know that's you know what what's going to be your specialty what's going to be your specialty it's like always embedded and i still feel like you know i'm like still finding my specialty you know and be a hundred looking for my specialty but you'll just you know you'll find like you know i used to i used to handle our um uh tpa practice or um kind of like pensions and profit sharing. And so, you know, had somebody in here last night, you know, trying to ask questions about that. And, you know, so you kind of gain these little expertise from various things. And I think grabbing on to those things that come up, you know, like the um, COVID relief and the PPP and the ERTC are great things, you know. Um, there's a partner in the Florida office and, I swear she is on top of everything that comes out. I have no idea how she handles it. 
Um, but, uh, but she doesn't, and I think she does it well. So I think that's probably definitely, I mean, perhaps that's your expertise. You just don't know it yet. Just grabbing onto these things that come out because, um, I really think those are the, those are the leaders of the firm that, that want to reach out and grab onto something just like you did. Yeah. Anne Marie is who he is referring to. And I believe Anne Marie's probably done a couple episodes of it figures, but, uh, Anne-Marie Sale, I agree with you. She, in our tax practice, has her hands in a little bit of everything. And I, too, wonder, how does she do this answer of her client? She's on so many committees. So with that, um, let's let's talk about the work-life balance of a tax professional for a minute. Because, you know, it's up until about two years ago, um, the tax profession, you, you pretty much knew those times during the year, and depending on what type of tax work you did, you had maybe two or three um, busy seasons or deadlines you were focused on. And what's been one of the not-so-silver linings of the pandemic is since January 2020, it's been a nonstop busy season. With legis- you know, it's, I feel like our tax folks just haven't um, had a break that they over their lifetime have been used to having. You know, there are certain summer months that you could take time off and be with the family. So I, I'm I'm curious, having gone through now almost two years of nonstop busy season, how y'all manage your personal and professional life. And you know what, Holly, I'm actually going to start with you because one, how long you've been working. I don't think you know a time when it's not a busy season. And then you throw Ida on top of it and there's a hurricane. Like, I, I, how are you managing the stuff in your personal life and your professional life? And then I ask you to be on a podcast with me. <laughs> it's definitely, um, I mean, I kind of don't know any different. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, just managing time well and, keeping busy, um, you know, throughout the year and trying to prioritize, prioritize things like things that's been, uh, definitely the biggest like learning curve for me is prioritizing and, you know, being honest about what you, what you can do, what needs to be moved and things like that. And that's really. That's so important. And oftentimes when people, um, say, you know, Sandy, I'm just, I'm about to hit burnout. I'm overworked. And usually when I ask them, okay, well, did you talk to your partner about that? And what did they say? Oh, well, I feel bad. They're overworked. I don't want to burn them. Well, if they don't know that you're overworked, they can't help you get out of it. And maybe the two of you can work together. And I get it. Um, but it's, I, I love that you say being honest about where you are, the work you are and managing the work you have, because so many times, um, people, whether it's prideful or I don't want to, you know, bother my partner or my manager, whoever it is, that open communication, don't get me wrong, it's not going to make all of it go away. Right. But you can't manage it um, unless you're doing that. Yeah. That's, and I, I've learned that e- like even, you know, all your managers and partners being honest with everybody, you know, I, I'll, I'll do different work for different partners, you know, and I'll be like, okay, like this is, what I have on my plate, I can get to this in the next couple of days. Is that okay with you? And kind of going from there. And that's, I think it's, it's great for me because I can plan out my day and plan out my week and prioritize things, but it's also good for them too, because they kind of know where their stuff is and they don't have to search for it. <laughs> 
So, Tamdi, I'm curious, you know, especially because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you were promoted to manager last year. So you're just finishing your first full year as a manager. Um, so kind of curious if there's any difference in how you're managing the load. I'm going to assume, um, because as we just talked about a few minutes ago, you're, you're one of the top performers in the practice area there. But so how are you managing it? And is there a difference from when you were a senior to now being a manager? Um, yeah, I mean, there is a huge difference. Like I've, I'm managing a lot more clients, dealing with a lot more clients, dealing with other offices and all of that. Um, but, um, you know, as far as managing personal and professional life goes, um, I did make a change in my professional life recently. I went from full-time to flex-time or part-time um, um you know, working a little bit less than I'm used to. I was about to say, we say part-time, but it's, you're still working a lot. It's not like you're working 10 hours No, no. It's just, it took the pressure off of getting to, you know, 40 hours. It's that, that's pretty much it. But, um, so last year, around, the reason why I did this, um, last year around this time, my husband and I both got COVID. Um, my symptoms physically weren't as bad as my husband's, but I lost, he was, you know, more sick than I was. Um, I lost my sense of taste and smell, which was a major thing. I haven't gotten it back yet. Oh my. Yes. Um, so that kind of, you know, that kind of experience, experiencing what the world was experiencing, the pandemic and all of that kind of made me realize the fragility of life. We were very new to um, Raleigh at that time, so don't have any social support, you know, not that many friends yet, haven't been able to explore anything. Uh, plus, my work was, uh, you know, mostly involved with helping clients that were brutally affected by the pandemic. All of that got a little to me. My husband, he's a physician, and his job is as stressful and, you know, long hours more than more than me. So I kind of took a minute and analyzed and I'm like, what should I do? How can I make it better? You know, so that long term, you know, health's not affected and just, you know, thinking long term. And I, I just analyzed and I was um, I was like, should I look for somewhere else where I could go reduce the hours or should I, you know, change careers, go to private accounting or something? I just, you know, I was like, let me just talk to my advisor, the partner here. I, David, I just talked to him and I was like, I know CRI has a program and I would love to do that if that's a possibility because I love the job. And he right away said, of course, that can be done. All the stress went away and um, we got into, you know, the transition. It took a little bit to, you know, transition and get adjusted to it. It was it was, um, you know, I was like leaving at three. I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? I'm used to leaving at 5.30 or 6, but then leaving at three, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Kind of like Talladega Nights where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. The sun is out and I'm out on a Wednesday. What do you do? Exactly. Yeah. But that helped a lot. I mean, I could make this change without looking for another job or anything and of course, I love working here and everyone in the office and the practice unit was very supportive and assured me that nothing's going to change, like your role, responsibilities, seniority, promotions, or my overall position is going to stay the same, even with reduced hours. 
So I was like being able to, you know, hold the same position and do the same work that I love for reduced hours seemed like the best of both worlds to me. And there, you, you know, it's so interesting um, what's going on in our industry right now. And I don't think it I don't think it's just public accounting. I think we all see the news and it's happening in a lot of industries where the pandemic has made people say, you know what, I, I don't want to do this anymore, whatever that is. I want to do something else or I want to do it differently. And when, you know, there's a, a term going around right now called the great resignation about people resigning in mass and leaving. And sure, some people leave one employer, stay within the same industry and go to another. But oftentimes when you talk to people as they're leaving, if you had just had that open conversation like what you had with David, um, you can you can manage it. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Tumby, um, when you got on David's calendar, he called me in a panic. Tumby wants to talk and I'm so nervous. And, and I was like, well, just just talk to her and start with yes. Don't start with no. Don't start with maybe. Just start with yes. Just understand where she's at and what she needs. And I'm sure we can find a way to make it work. Um, and we did. And it's unfortunate because right now, I think a lot of people, no matter what their profession is, um, if they don't see it, because tell me, I don't believe um, anybody else is on a flex schedule in your office. I don't think. No. Yeah. There was so somebody, but I think they left. Yeah. But oftentimes people think if I don't see it, then it doesn't exist, which that's not true. And so we're always trying to encourage our partners, talk to your, your employees one-on-one -on -one and just ask them, how are things going? And check in so you can have like Holly was talking about, just that open and honest dialogue. So I will say it's not just um, the women um, who struggle with managing it all. Um, I know the men do too. And I know the gentleman on this podcast with us has had a lot going on in his life right now. So I'm curious, Seth, with selling a house and moving into a temporary house and all these things you have going on, um, your son being bought for a mitzvah, congratulations, by the way. Um, so with everything going on and being part of the leadership team in Dallas, you good? You managing okay? How how you holding it all together? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, before we talk about that, I, I just wanted to echo what you were saying to Tunby. I was going to say that, you know, almost verbatim what you were going to say, but, you know, um, to sum it up, just, yeah, communication, you know, there's all, uh, I bet it's like 95% of the people wouldn't do what you did just to be able to communicate and to express your feelings and see if we can work with one, with one another versus this great resignation uh, that some of it potentially could be avoided. Um, so just uh, commending you on uh, what you did because we are, uh, are glad to have you. Um, but how am I coping with the uh, with the pandemic? I, you know, yeah, it's definitely a lot. All those things you mentioned are happening, and I think um, you know, Holly said, you know, she she says she doesn't know anything different you know well I definitely know something different you know I've been doing it doing it a while but I think it's just the uh you know when I was in a uh, fraternity I don't know if it was their their motto or just quote during hell week or whatever it was but they used to say cope, cope and adapt which sounds a little rough but I mean 
it's kind of what you what what you do and what we've been doing with the pandemic. We've just kind of been uh, adapting to to what's going on and figuring out exactly what Tommy was saying this is how can you still say stay happy and enjoy life while dealing with all these issues which um which is definitely difficult um you know when i was at a big four firm i remember seeing um you know the partners and senior managers and how many hours they worked and their uh, what i felt like at the time was a lack of work-life balance and i knew that that just wasn't something that i wanted to do um and i'll skip a few uh positions in between and just kind of come over when i interviewed at vogel which merged with cri I remember interviewing with um, Eric Lee and Randy Loki, and it was very work-life balance. You know, it had a good work-life balance feel. Again, we were you know we were like 40, 50 people, but you know, Eric says you know that everyone is involved with their kids. You know, Eric and Randy, and makes it to you know whether it's dance or soccer or whatever and i knew that that was you know that that is how i you know was and that's how i wanted to be so i knew it was a good fit um and so i'm able to you know do those things with my kids as much as possible um and i just feel like you know through the pandemic you still just try and make it you just kind of keep the ball rolling keep doing what you need to do adapt to to everything but you know like uh every now and then you have to do what tungby did and said okay am i am i still happy what what needs to change um besides me getting out of this rental uh house that i can't do anything about you know there are certain things in life that you just can't do anything about and if you under you know if you understand that and you don't uh let it you know eat you up you can enjoy life a little bit you know, better as um, this pandemic hopefully comes to an end in the near future. Knock on wood. So, Seth, you can remember um, back when with tax, but again, Holly, you, you said, I, I don't know any different. This is what it is. But I'm curious, Holly, so when when you made that ginormous leap from medical to I'm still that still amazes me. That's a big leap. Um, but when you made that leap, and you were um, in school and you, you know, you start forming this vision of what you think um, your career early on will be like, what your day-to-day -day life will be like. I'm curious, um, you know, what, what is, this is exactly what I was expecting and, or this, this part is nothing like I was expecting. So any, any surprises, you know, now that you're a couple years in or things that, oh, I completely expected this. Um, I think the working remotely as much as I do, um, was kind of surprising. I didn't expect that, I guess, out of school. Um, but I like that we're able to do it. I like being in the office, but having the, you know, the, um, the tools to do that or, you know, if you have something going on or you're not feeling well or whatever to do it you know, work from home and really the pandemic made all of us 
really become good at working remotely. <laughs> so whether you're, cause like, I mean, really I was, that was my first full-time busy season. So we, you know, I had to kind of learn how to use our resources to work remote and still, you know, learn things from seniors and managers, um, even partners while working from home. So it's been a, it's kind of, it's, it's been a change, but a, a welcome one. <laughs> I, I would say this um, to my other two panelists. Yeah. Raise your hand if you too were surprised at how much you're working <laughs> remote uh, nowadays and, and what that's like. I think it has been a much needed, um, I'm not saying we needed the pandemic, but for years, when people would talk about flexibility and some um, leaders within public accounting with more of an old school mindset were like, oh, no, I don't know you're working unless you're sitting outside my office. If I don't, you know, you still had some of those people that didn't understand that with technology, you could work anywhere. It should be about the work and the product and not that I see you. And another silver lining for me with the pandemic is I think not all of them. There's still some people out there. But a lot of the people who felt like, nope, you got to be sitting in front of me or I don't know you're working, you had no choice. And so now they've started to see um, that it can look different and it can be different. And look, I'll be honest, there are people, I'm one of them. I've worked from home since I joined Car Rigs in June 2015. I'm, I miss going into an office. The minute we have an office here in Charlotte, I will be the first one saying, I want to go in an office. I like having a very different space for home and for work. And I miss being in the break room, just going, hey, I saw you were at tax training last week. How did that go? Or, oh my gosh, you got promoted. Or, you know, did you watch Big Brother last night? But like those interactions, um, I personally miss that. But there are plenty of people um, who maybe live, we talk about this a lot in uh, the Dallas office for sure, people who live far from the office and they don't want to give up two hours a day just to get to the office. So maybe on Mondays and Fridays. So, so speaking of the pandemic, are there any aspects of pre-pandemic life that any of you can't wait to come back, whether that's personal or professional? Like what do you hope hasn't come back yet, but does? Well, professionally, I would say like we were, we were doing happy hours, um, volunteer days once a year, a day of fun or an evening of fun or something that would, I would definitely love to do again um, since COVID. Um, we've been trying since I've been in the Raleigh office, we've been trying to schedule a top golf or a bowling evening uh, with the team, but, you know, it hasn't happened yet. I think those are just great team building activities and a chance to get to know people you work with outside of work. Um, we've also been talking about axe throwing, if COVID permits. I'm not touching those axes right now, but. <laughs> Listen, this thing amazes me for people. If you've thrown an axe, the first time I heard about this, I'm like, beer and throwing an axe? I want to be in the meeting with the insurance underwriter who, who protects that business. Like, Beer and throwing an axe. That and concept still blows my mind. Yeah. With coworkers. Thank you. <laughs> I, like, I mean, hey, yeah, fun, I might have to hide, might have to hide wanna, if we do that. I know some people that might throw the axe my way. I want to see. Yeah, somebody somebody commented about about throwing axes on people. Co I tell you. 
Well, I'm curious. So has this pandemic and been remote um, affected how you serve your clients or how you interact with your clients? Has that changed or is it still the same? I'm going to say I'm a lot more patient with my client. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, earlier, I was like, you know, I need this done. This is the deadline. I want it done. I need to. I need this information by this time. I mean, of course, that was helping them too, like, you know, get their things done on time. But right now, I'm like, I'll, I'll start calling them earlier than I'm used to for information and understand that, you know, they are more stressed about their business than taxes right now. So kind of give them some time and space to deal with it. That's interesting. Um, so as we start to kind of wind down, um, I, I always like to look to the future and look ahead uh, because I can't wait for uh, this pandemic to be done. And I too miss uh, a lot of social interaction. But so as you look ahead and look at how a career as a tax professional might change, you know, with regulation, with how and when we work, all that. Anybody have a crystal ball that they're looking out and have any thoughts on how their career might change? Or, you know, if we look at Miss Holly, who doesn't know any different, <laughs> that this kind of weird world that we in, that this is the work world. So anybody looking ahead and have thoughts on what might be different in the next five years? I think at least, you know, or at least for CRI, you know, like like the borders, you know, because we have offices and I think you can see that like starting to open up, you know, where we're working with more people, you know, like the, the I would say, you know, it was great pre, pre-pandemic um, that we were able to pick up the phone and see anybody on the camera. And now like everyone Zooming and Teaming and you're able to see people and you like kind of get to know them a little bit better uh, from different offices and so i think that's like kind of helping to break down um barriers um you know we do that with our salt group that i mentioned earlier where we have a zoom meeting you know once a month with partners and staff managers and you're able really to like work with them you can see them and you get to know them and I think that, you know, in the very near future, CRI will probably kind of be able to open up, you know, the field a bit. You know, I know that finding employees, you know, the great resignation is difficult. And, um, you know, we're now allowing people to work from home and remote workers. And if I had somebody that was uh, willing to work remote, I, I would hire them and I wouldn't, you know, care where they were located. Whereas, you know, what, think back, three years like that would never happen or most likely would not happen. Um, so I think, um, at least for CRI, I think those are probably some things that will change and, and probably for everyone, probably for a lot of companies. You know, I was, I was just telling somebody about this yesterday that um, oddly enough, this environment, people have gotten so accustomed to video. So, now it's rare when I'm talking to somebody and I can't see them. They might teams me with a video or there's a Zoom. And I do feel that within CRI and I'm sure in other organizations, it has opened up culturally because we're used to seeing each other now. And we you are building relationships because you might see something in the background. You know, when we were for our audience, we are doing this with video, even though you can't see us. 
And as we logged on, somebody made a comment about the Yoda sitting behind Seth right now, which if we were on a phone, um, you wouldn't know there was a Yoda. And it, it just helps you build relationships. So I do hope, and I strongly believe, I think people have gotten accustomed um, to this video technology and connecting with people a different way. I think that will stay. And I think for firms like ours or any organization that has people spread out and not all under one roof, it just gives you all the more opportunity to get to know more people, to get involved in additional opportunities and just build those relationships um, across your organization. I'm a big fan of it. I feel like I'm seeing the impact. Certainly our um, inclusion and diversity strategy um, has reaped the benefits from this because we've been able to see each other um, and engage more in ways that would have been very difficult um, across our footprint. So that part has been nice. So as we're winding down, um, I always like to end things um, with advice um, because I'm a big fan to take my advice. I'm not using it. But as we wind down, I would love to hear advice. So if you think about somebody starting their career um, or somebody much like Holly, who's three years in, or maybe a rising manager who is like, oh, fluff, this, I didn't realize my tax career was going to be like this. Like, what advice would you have for them? I'm going to start with, uh, let's start with Holly. What advice would you have for somebody in college starting to recruit and getting into a tax career? Um, I would say uh, don't be so hard on yourself <laughs> and, you know, take the opportunity, take opportunities as they come. You never know, you know, what it's going to lead into. And, um, you know, most of the time it's just a conversation and it's, it could be, you know, very fluid, just like this. Like I know with, for me, for CRI, I mean, that's how it was. Um, when I, I, cause I did the internship when I was still in school. Um, and really as becoming a, a now into working and becoming a staff, my advice would be, um, you know, really learn everything and be open, be open to some, you know, review notes, constructive criticism. Those are all, <laughs> those are all things that really just help you review work. notes. I mean, I, I, I appreciate them. I print them out every, every time I get them. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a good way to really learn. I mean, once you, once you get them, hopefully you don't make the same mistake again. And, you know, you're always continuing to grow. Um, so I would be open, open to growth <laughs> would be my other. I think, that's great. I think that's great advice. I was talking to a college recruit not too long ago and I, the subject of review notes came up and I said, listen, to me, the key is to not think about review notes as like a, a Twitter troll or somebody commenting on your social media. Somebody giving you review notes is there to help you and help you develop and, and grow. They're not doing it just to pick on you or whatever, but it is interesting to watch how people respond to review notes uh, coming up in their career. They need to understand they're not complaints against you. It's just to make you better. It is. It is. So, Tembe, now, you know, again, you're finishing up your first year as manager. So looking back, what advice would you have um, either for somebody in school or somebody in like their second or third year? Or what advice would you have for all of 
for now, with the recent experiences and the recent changes that I've made, I would say that, you know, work-life balance and mental health, you have to give some importance to that. You don't understand that when you're starting out because, you know, you are trying to learn and grab every opportunity, which is also needed and is good for the profession. But at the same time, you've got to give some importance to work-life balance and mental health. Um, I would also say that, um, you know, this profession demands a lot of hours. It's it's a good thing. I'm not saying it. It's it's not a good thing. It's a good thing. It's what we do. So be mentally prepared for that. Yeah, listen, it, it's, you know, the one similarity in a medical career in public accounting is the stress in the hours for sure. Um, so maybe you didn't make such a wise choice there, Holly, just saying. Um, but the one thing that I, I will say is burnout is real. And, and if you, you know, like I, I said to so many people, they don't want to talk to their manager or partner because they feel like, oh, they're busy too. I don't want to seem like I'm complaining or I'm prideful or whatever. But if you're not being, um, self-aware and understanding your own mental health, um, if you burnout's coming and talk to somebody, your partner, as Seth mentioned earlier, happy to work with you, but, you know, we, we can't solve a problem that we don't know exists. Um, so I think that's great advice, Tundi. So any wise, sage advice um, from Seth to people starting a tax career or anywhere along the line? Um, I'll skip the advice that everyone told me, which was uh, knock out the CPA exam as soon as possible, you know, because, yeah, but, you know, I didn't listen. Nobody listens to that, but um, I did. Huh? Oh, oh, good. Yeah, I got the CPA. I, I did just uh, because but, I was so tired of studying. I was like, I just want to be done with studying. It. It's it was it's it's exhausting. Um, had had I you know listened, you know, um, it would have. I think life would have been a little bit easier. You know, the career path would have been a little bit easier. Everything would have. Everything may have been a little bit uh, better, but but it's okay. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't change it. No regrets. But um, I mean, I guess I already kind of suggested that. But if I didn't suggest that, I would say kind of what you guys were commenting on, which was you know communicating, um, you know being part of the being part of the solution. You know, think, helping you know move CRI to the future and coming up with solutions and. You know, again, just everything about communicating, whether it's something like what Tunby did or an idea that you want to, you know, um, get rolling and have CRI latch on to. I mean, these things can happen. I can tell you that they happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, just, just again, communicate and see what happens. I love that, which includes communicate if there's things you want to get involved in, like, you know, Tunby said. Yeah. If you want to get involved in PPP and different things, you know, just ask. Well, I appreciate y'all letting me ask you to be part of this today. Um, I really appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm not oblivious to the fact that we're coming up on a deadline when I ask three high-performing tax professionals to be on a podcast with me. Um, but I really do appreciate that. I appreciate your time today. Um, thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. If you want more CRI insights or are interested in learning about our firm, please visit our website at CRICPA.com. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of It Figures, the CRI podcast. You can subscribe to It Figures on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. 